Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My name is Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. This podcast will be about my story and my words, talking about my own personal experiences and self-healing. I do not claim to be a therapist, counselor, or licensed psychologist. Hello, my name is Amanda Bedard, and I'm the co-host, producer, and editor of Invisible Tears. I'm a Reiki master, certified professional life coach, spiritual coach, wellness coach, and a counseling practitioner. Some of the content you will hear in this podcast may be disturbing to some. Viewer discretion is advised, but it is our hope by putting this information out there that we may help others to heal. We will always be a platform for truth and healing. This is Invisible Tears. Welcome to Invisible Tears. I'm Jane, and I'm here with my co-host, Amanda. And we're talking about a case that we both feel should have been on the list with the Connecticut River Valley murders. Yes. Uh, Heidi Martin. Yep. Now, Heidi Martin went missing on May 20th, 1984 in Heartland, Vermont, which is an extremely small town, like 3,400 population now i don't even know what it was then and then her body was found the very next day may 21st 1984 it was right behind the heartland elementary school yeah she had gone out for a jog and she was found off that route right behind the heartland elementary school yeah unfortunately when she was found with the initial um processing of the crime scene it was determined that how they were going to have to process the crime scene and how they were going to have to remove her from the woods. Unfortunately, the elementary school actually had to go into a makeshift lockdown. No. I know. So they had to literally walk her body right by the school, the elementary school. Yeah. To get her out. She was only 16. Yeah. She was described as a well-rounded, loving girl, really. Uh, She loved children, assisted an elderly woman in town with chores, around her house. Uh, She was a great student and a solid athlete, loved cross-country skiing, and she held a position on the high school track team. Mm. So jogging, uh, when she disappeared, she was jogging. Jogging was something that she normally did, and she normally had a route, a common route that she took. So it sounds like, I mean, if she felt threatened in any way Mm -hmm. while she was jogging, Mm -hmm. 
she's been on the track team, she would have been able to to run away. I would have think so. And I believe she disappeared during the day. She went out for her jog mm-hmm. during the day. Does it say what time of day? Um, it doesn't. It just says, so the, that morning she had been shopping with her parents for a car. She had found one that she loved. She was happy about that. After that, they went to lunch and she had gone home. So it had to have been in the afternoon. I would think. So it's daylight. Yep. Uh, Yep. She ventured on her customary route that afternoon, but would never return home. So kind of wonder, all right, who did she come in contact with that would have done this to her? I'm thinking somebody that actually knew her route. Yeah. That she jogged. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking there's a very good possibility she could have known this person. Mm -hmm. Me too. Because you would think if she didn't know that person... And she kind of felt threatened. She would have ran. She would have ran. And she would have been able to run really fast because she was on the track team. Yep. And she was an athlete. Um, Yeah. And even that she was found, I mean, I know that she was found in the woods, but she was also found in the woods, but it was by the, or behind the elementary school. So truly feeling like in danger, wouldn't you like run towards the school the school where it's open exactly um i mean obviously she wasn't she wasn't in elementary school but i mean obviously living in a small town uh, she could have run into the school if she felt in danger so i agree with you jane i definitely think that i almost feel like that she knew that person yep you know a local person being Mm -hmm. a small town Mm -hmm. yeah in my heart i almost feel like she knew this person yeah or has seen this person before and did not feel threatened anyway right so she when they found her body and they processed the crime scene and the her body she was stabbed four times in the heart mm-hmm. they found silt and water in her mouth her lungs and her stomach yeah when they found her yeah the upper portion of her body was submerged in water um and so yes the uh, upon the autopsy they determined that, yes, so the water, dirt, sediment, and that sort of thing were found in her lungs and stomach. So it's indicative of, I mean, she was stabbed, but it also eludes you to realize that she was alive and she was actually held underwater yeah. as she was stabbed. Yes. Another thing, when she was found, her clothing was on backwards, indicating that she had been undressed and later redressed or, you know, redressed it in some sort of way. And her bra was found 10 to 15 feet away, floating downstream. However, during the autopsy, despite debris that was found in her underwear from like the plant debris um, from where she was found, despite that being found in her underwear and the fact that she had been redressed and her bra was missing, Heidi's body showed no signs of sexual assault. That's so odd. It's very odd to me. For one, this monster took the time to undress her mm-hmm. and then redress her. Mm-hmm. But no sexual assault was committed. I mean, I guess the whole redressing is sort of like a countermeasure, I guess. But the fact that her bra was missing too. Mm. I was very surprised when I read that there were no signs of sexual assault. In just the before we actually started digging in and reading further articles, I had always actually assumed that she had been sexually assaulted and murdered because I had always heard the redressing piece. Exactly. Exactly. So. So I kind of wonder now her bra was taken off. Mm-hmm. OK, so this is 
daylight. Yep. Okay, let's set the scene a little bit. Yep. This is daylight behind an elementary school. She's undressed. Mm-hmm. Now, he complete, He must completely undress her if he takes the bra off. Right, I think so. And then redresses her, but there's no sexual assault, no proof of sexual assault. Right. That almost gives me the feeling like the scene was compromised. Staged. Staged. Mm-hmm. It did. Um, Staged. I started thinking as we're sort of like spitballing and trying to actually set the scene and actually picture this in my head. And it pains me to picture this in my head. I don't like doing this. But I kept on getting the pieces of, well, maybe somewhere along her route was she actually taken and then put here this way. That's... You know what I mean? Um, So she was actually kidnapped, taken to another spot, and then they brought her back. Possibly. But if there are no signs of sexual assault, then why why the mm. abduction in the first place? The redressing is the is the piece that's really getting me. Yeah, it's confusing to me. It is. It is. So during the investigation, the police received a tip mm-hmm. of an individual who witnessed the crime. Mm-hmm. It was twenty one year old Delbert Tallman. Yep. Uh, he was known to be on the autistic spectrum. Yep. And at the time, he was staying in a garage of a person who lived on the road where Heidi was found, Martinsville Road. It was um, That was one of her loops that she used was Martinsville Road. Okay. And he, he was known to be staying in the garage on that same road. Mm-hmm. So if she was using that route on a regular basis, he would have he seen her. Yep, he would have known and seen um, her. So they questioned him. And in the court case, he had admitted that he was in the woods and that he had seen the crime occur. Mm-hmm. And he heard the commotion, he hid behind a tree, and that he waited for the bad man to leave. Yeah, And that when the bad man left, he ran up to... Heidi's body, and that's when he discovered that she was not alive. Yeah. And he got freaked out, and he ran out of the woods, and he said the man that killed Heidi was hitchhiked. Yeah. Yeah, and just to put this into perspective, too, it was less than 15 hours after Heidi's body was discovered that he was actually taken into custody for this questioning. So, yes, that was his initial story, but then... So they did bring him in. They questioned him for hours. Mm-hmm. And did they get a confession from him? As I'm reading, what they were able to gather on Delbert Tallman was this. So his initial count of what happened is exactly what, what Jane just said. However, he was questioned and what appears to be essentially coerced. Authorities apparently collected three witnesses confirming that they had seen him run essentially out of the woods, so placing him at the scene. So as he's going through this and and they're hearing this story, it appears as if he eventually confesses to the crime. However, his specifics about what he did don't match. So 
like his defense attorney ends up saying, so obviously he ends up being arrested for the crime, right? And it goes to trial. He enters a plea of not guilty. His attorney ends up bringing up lots of things. First of all, the credibility about one of the witnesses who said that he um, had abilities, saw the scene, knew that Talman actually did it because he saw it, gave some interesting details specific to the scene, but also in the same breath had some really grandiose things that he told the courtroom um, that he could do. I can't even believe, you know, I'm sorry, I'm listening to you and I can't even believe they were able to bring this in as evidence against him. Yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? I, I, I just can't even... So this one particular witness, and his name was Albert Sargent, in the course of the examination, he told the jury that he had been sent to a mental facility, um, but that that was all a misunderstanding, that he was just very special. He claimed to share his personality with a Turkish king who reigned in the 17th century. So this is this, this psychic that's yes, so this in is, court. This is one of the witnesses. The witnesses. Yeah. Um, that's placing, that says that he knows that Talman did it because he saw it. Again, so I mean, this is adding to, you know, his credibility or or lack thereof. And I am not a person to discredit psychics by any means. But with the rest of the information that's surrounding this, um, it definitely appears as if possibly this man definitely um, should have seeked further help and counseling. He also told the jury that he could control the flow of alcohol from his stomach to his brain and then added that he had clairvoyant abilities. So... There goes one of the witnesses. But I mean, if you actually think back to Delbert Tallman's initial recount of what actually happened, just because he ran out of the woods, I mean, yes, of course, it places him there. But he initially said he just witnessed it and he hid. Now, there have been several witnesses, though, that saw him right after he came out of the woods. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, the scene was bloody Mm -hmm. and there was a fight. Yep. They believe there was fight. So of what I've read previously, whoever did this had to have one blood all over them mm-hmm. and had to have some kind of bruises or scratches. They were pretty specific about scratches. So mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe they got some DNA underneath their fingernails or not. Mm-hmm. When Tallman walked out of the woods, there was like three witnesses that came forward and said the only thing that he had on him was mud on his boots. Right. And they've never found any DNA connecting him to connecting Heidi Martin's. Exactly. And murder. I actually remember reading too that his clothes were completely processed as well. Yes. And there was zero DNA. Zero DNA. On his clothes. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, 
beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the daily book club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. And now back to our episode. Going again to sort of speaking to, you know, Delbert Tallman, like throughout the trial, he was in sort of like how much on the spectrum he he was as well. Throughout the trial, he was caught laughing at inappropriate times, showed no real understanding of social cues, and was often seen drawing little pictures on a notepad in front of him rather than paying attention to the proceedings that would determine his fate. So clearly he really didn't have too much of a comprehension of, of the gravity of what was actually happening. Furthermore, in the alleged um, confession that was presumably coerced, um, according to um, Talman's attorney, he had actually said that he had stabbed her in the back and had blood all over him, but he wasn't found with blood all over him and she wasn't stabbed in the back. Yeah. You have to discredit his confession. Yep. Just right there, you would have to discredit his confession. But he was ultimately acquitted by the jury. Of the second degree murder. He was being seen exiting the courtroom uh, he, with joy and excitement. I'm finally free as a bird. Yeah. So let's go back to our original statement, too, that we said about Heidi being connected with the Connecticut River Valley cases. Yes. Let's pull a couple of those pieces in, too. So this occurred May 20th, 1984. Going back to our timeline of other known victims, Bernice Cordermarsh disappeared on May 30th, 1984. She was the same age. Just throwing that out there because I realized that piece. And also where Heidi was found, it was just a mile from where Barbara Agnew was found. Yeah. Three years. Barbara Agnew was found Saturday, March 28th, 1987 one mile from where Heidi was found. And that was three years after Heidi was found. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, I don't understand why she was never put in that category. I I, and I, you know, I often wonder how convinced were the police about Delbert? Right. Now, some prosecutors, sometimes when they try a case, they're so convinced it's that person. Mm-hmm. The authorities are so convinced it's that person, and then they're acquitted. Yep. Do they actually continue to investigate the cases? Now, I know some cases they do not. Right. They stop the investigation because mm-hmm. they feel that that was the person who did it, but they got, they got off. Right. You know, they, they were found not guilty or acquitted. Yep. I wonder if they have continued to investigate Heidi's case. Right. Or are they still totally convinced that it was Tolman? I really wonder that. And you know what? I I would love to know that. Me too. It's a great question. I think the time frame within 15 hours of him actually, of Tolman actually being in custody after she was found, that's telling right there. And then, I mean, you're right, Jane. What, What I kind of go to is, did the blinders go on? Yeah. How much more due diligence was done in the investigative piece of her case if they 
thought it was open and shut and they had who did it. Exactly. I mean, you can actually go online. It's called Justia, J-U-S-T-I-A. We'll post this. Mm -hmm. And it's the state versus Tallman in 1987 for um, Heidi's murder. I mean, it's kind of long, and but it is the whole court report of um, what happened in court, what they had, what they didn't have for evidence, who the witnesses were, and, and stuff like that. And I'll tell you, I read through most of it. I mean, of course, some of it I skimmed through. But I read through most of it, and I did not see enough evidence that it was Tolman. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't see any evidence that it was Tolman, except that he was there and he may have witnessed it happening, right. the, the attack happening. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, yeah, his actions in court were kind of off, but he's statistic and he's on the spectrum. If people are simply focusing in on his behavior, you have to remember too, with being on the autism spectrum, I mean, there's varying degrees and it sounds as if he's on the more severe side of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, there are definite pieces that don't exist as far as like picking up on social cues and what is actually appropriate and and those sort of things when you get to the you know the more severe side of the autism spectrum yeah i just didn't see any concrete evidence that it was him so where is tallman now where is tallman now where is he now oh (laughs) looks like he's in jail (laughs) oh tallman what'd you do uh sexual abuse oh he's a sexual offender he was arrested in Windsor, Vermont. He was found guilty of sexual assault in 96, lewd and levacious conduct with a child in Vermont. Mm-hmm. And then in 08, sex offender failed to comply registration. So this was down in Broward County in Florida. Mm-hmm. He failed to um, register as a sex offender. Okay. And it looks like the same thing in 2005. I'm on the FDLE, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So, yeah, I'm not really sure if he's still in jail or not. Oh, I think he's back up in New Hampshire. He is from the Rutland Herald. Yeah, 2010. White River, a convicted sex offender who was acquitted of a notorious murder in Heartland, which was Heidi Martin, was arrested at the bus station on Friday at 2 a.m., only moments after he stepped off the bus from Florida with his fiancée and her three children in tow. Hartford Police, so that, should be, that must be Hartford, Vermont, mm-hmm. said Dalbert, 47, was taken into custody without incident on a Vermont warrant that had been outstanding for his arrest since it was issued four years ago this month. A Windsor County jury acquitted Tallman of the murder of Heidi Martin... Yeah, in 96, in an unrelated case, Tallman was convicted of two counts of lewd and levacious conduct with a child. Vermont authorities issued the warrant for his arrest a decade later after he failed to respond to a routine registered letter from the sex offender registry that was sent to his last known address on Park Street in Springfield in October of 2006. 
Tallman was back in Windsor Criminal Court in downtown White River Junction by mid-afternoon Friday for his arraignment on a felony charge of failing to register his address with Vermont authorities. Through his public defender, Tallman argued that he did not even know Vermont was looking for him because he was already in jail in Florida for failing to register as a sex offender in that state by the time Vermont authorities had mailed the letter to his former address in Springfield. Tallman said that he had spent the past five years in jail in Florida and had just been released on Wednesday before hopping the bus back to Vermont. Yeah, he had a job lined up in Claremont. Had plans on finding an apartment in that city with his fiance and her children. Yeah, there's a quote in here that actually just said he's not going to run. He never knew about this charge because he was already incarcerated when it occurred. That quote was from his attorney. Uh, yeah. So if I were to guess, I would think that he would be incarcerated now. I would think. Yeah, reading the circumstances of Tallman's arrest and his lengthy criminal history, the judge felt that he was a, a risk of flight mm-hmm. is greater now than before yep. and that he quadrupled the amount of bail to $20,000. It's <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> Tallman stunned. How am I going to get $20,000? His attorney, as he stood up from the defense table, before he was led from the courtroom, holding cell for the return trip to the Springfield prison. So it really just seems like since he's had that conduct charge, right, and had to register as a sex offender, so sounds like he did time for that. Sounds like he just went through a pattern of not registering. Not registering, And yeah. then warrants were issued, and then he was brought back into court and, and probably faced more jail time. So as of today, don't know where Delbert Tallman is. But I hope if he is not incarcerated that he is registered as a sex offender so he doesn't do any more jail time, but also so everybody knows where he lives. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as with the Heidi Martin's case, mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen no evidence where he was involved in her case. Right. Um, but is Tom a, a good guy? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. He's a very bad, bad man. And if he's in jail, he's, he's like exactly where he belongs so i'm not defending him in that way Mm -hmm. but as far as him being convicted or or them trying to convict him of heidi's murder and him being acquitted Mm -hmm. i personally have not seen any evidence that he had anything to do with heidi's death yeah a thousand percent i haven't either and to be if we're going to be completely honest with the situation i think he was just an easy target oh absolutely for police yep yep quick and easy oh let's Hurry up and quick. I mean, she was murdered in 84 mm-hmm. and he was in court 86 or 87 because he was in jail for a year before he was acquitted waiting trial. Right. So Heidi Martin's case remains unsolved. Yes. And remains on the state of Vermont's cold case website. So I want to believe that they've gotten past the whole Tallman Mm-hmm. suspect and they are still investigating her murder yes hopefully and yeah i think we're both in agreement that we're kind of like publicly putting it out there that we don't understand why heidi martin actually isn't included in the connecticut river valley cases exactly when they're commonly put out there or talked about or anything like that um and they should be so i'm actually going to do some work to actually put her on the timeline yeah and our that'd website be great. yeah i think that's a great idea yeah so if you know anything anything at all even the smallest bit of information 
about Heidi, about anything that you can remember that might be pertinent to actually solving her murder, make sure that you go on and you contact the State of Vermont uh, Cold Case Unit. They always have a hotline and a tip form, and you can do so anonymously. Exactly. Yes. Come forward with information. It could be so small, but yet it could be that big missing piece right of the puzzle that they need so often it's something like that something that somebody doesn't think is pertinent or why would this matter but you don't know the other pieces of information that investigators are working with so if it's popping in your head for some reason if you're compelled know something see something say something exactly Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Invisible Tears. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to hear all future episodes. Click into our link tree too in the episode description to find and follow us on all our social medias. And it also links to our website, invisible-tears.com, where you can keep current on any events that may be coming up, read more about Jane and the team, and read more about all the Connecticut River Valley unsolved cases. If you are looking for everyday items, clothes, collectibles, or a gift for that special someone, you can support us further by checking out our retail store, The Frugal Marketplace. We can be found at thefrugalmarketplace.com or search for us on eBay and Poshmark. We hold an online claim sale on Facebook Live every Monday night at 7 p.m. where you can find our latest items for sales or items at a deep discount. The links for our products can be found in our show notes. If you want to learn more about my wellness practice, Guided Path Wellness, head to guidedpathwellness.org. There you can read more about me and my certifications, more about the Reiki and coaching services I offer both in person and remote, and read all about my products for sale that I make through the practice. Feel free to utilize the contact us section on the website with any questions or utilize that free 15-minute consultation booking button if you have any questions about what might work for you. Evil may exist in this world, but we will not let it win. See you next episode.